Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops, a betting and beer podcast powered by Dimers.com and part of Blue Wire Hustle. I'm Matt Landis, and this week's episode is all about NFL Week 2 bets, curated from a dream team of football handicappers, plus some original analysis, and let's cut to the chase and break down our Week 2 portfolio. 60% of the time, it works every time. Three sides in pocket this week, the first of which is San Francisco minus three, and that's down to even money as they take on the Eagles in Philadelphia. That price current as I record this Thursday night as the Giants take on Washington. And I'm in alignment on this one with the whale capper Drew Dinsick. He talked about this on the Matchbook NFL show this week. And Drew mentioned that the Eagles last week, while they were impressive, they had the benefit of facing what he called a bend-and-then-break defense from the Falcons. Probably not going to see the same kind of cushions provided by the San Francisco defense. And speaking of the 49ers, Drew adds that they've mastered the art of back-to-back road games on the East Coast. In fact, they're staying back East this week. They've been at the Greenbrier in West Virginia, where they've stayed before, and it kind of serves as the beneficial extended training camp for San Francisco. I'll add that on the Niners side of things here, I think we're getting a touch of value coming off that misleading 41-33 final in Detroit from Week 1. Remember, that game was 41-17 at the 2-minute warning, so things got fast and furious late, but it was a dominant performance by San Francisco. And taking the Niners here is in no way meant to be a knock on that Week 1 performance from the Eagles. They were impressive any way you want to look at it, especially with Jalen Hurts' accuracy. That was a big question going into the game. And I will note, though, that Hertz's accuracy came with a shallow average depth of target, again, against a soft Atlanta defense. So I see a step up in class this week. I'd like to see him go a little bit farther downfield to prove that accuracy. And if he can come through, I'm willing to pay to see it again. Bigger picture, I've also got one reminder to call out for this game for everyone, and that includes myself after I mistakenly fired early on this line, thinking it would only go the other way. We're working with asymmetric risk when we're looking at 3.5 point favorites early in the week. If you've got a a 3.5 point favorite you're eyeing, you can wait for that line to possibly tick down to minus 3, and that's a big difference. If the line moves up the other way a tick to minus 4, that's not such a big deal. So the takeaway would be that there's no rush to lay 3.5 early in the week. And on the flip side, it's okay to be quick to take 3.5 points with an underdog you like, In this case, I think some of the line move down on San Francisco has been driven in part due to some injury news. And yeah, there's a possible mismatch in the trenches here, so I do make this a small bet, but I am still on board with the 49ers at minus 3. For the second side in week two, I'm taking the Patriots at minus 6 for reduced VIG at minus 105 as they go on the road to take on the Jets. Adam Chernoff mentioned he's on the Patriots on the Simple Handicap podcast. Drew also mentioned being on New England on the Matchbook NFL betting show. And I think it's important to note, Adam and Drew did get better numbers that were available earlier in the week. I'm not sure they'd lay the six. I myself would make that minus six for the Patriots a price ceiling. And I think it does call for a reduced wager amount. Let's call it eight-tenths of a unit. In terms of the handicap, Adam noted it's Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback. That's been a great spot for the Patriots over the years. And Drew seemed to agree, noting the Patriots' defense is primed to pressure Zach Wilson. Adam also noted he doesn't see this line as showing enough adjustment off of the look-ahead number we saw last week. He thinks it's okay to leave the Jets the same in your power ratings, but the Patriots deserve an upgrade in his book since Mac Jones was the big question, and he looked good under center. 
I'll add that the Patriots could have easily beaten Miami, and I think if they did, we'd be looking at a higher number here, possibly at least a touchdown. And to add some context here, the Patriots beat the Dolphins soundly when it came to yards per play in Week 1, but in the red zone, the Patriots only went 1 for 4 scoring touchdowns, whereas Miami went 2 for 2. So in twice as many red zone trips, the Patriots only came away with half as many touchdowns, and New England also went minus 2 in the fumbles department. One thing I like when I look at that box score from Week 1, the Patriots had possession for almost 37 minutes, and their defense was on the field for less than 50 snaps if we exclude kneel downs at the end of the game, so they should be fresh, again, for that matchup against a rookie quarterback. In fact, it's also a rookie head coach for the Jets, and the Jets' offense only managed a paltry 4.2 yards per play against the Panthers in Week 1, and that includes a 10-play, 93-yard touchdown drive after the outcome was largely decided. Zach Wilson was sacked six times, and now he'll be without left tackle Mekhi Becton, the Jets' first-round pick from last year. So overall, road chalk, not my MO, but value's value, and I do see just enough value to get in on the Patriots at the current number, given some matchup edges almost across the board. And the third of three sides this week, Minnesota plus three and a half at Arizona. This one also has agreement from Adam and Drew, as well as Drew's co-host on the Deep Dive podcast, Andy Molitor. I'll note that these guys got the Vikings at four and a half, and four is not much of a key number, but I do think it calls for a slightly reduced wager amount down to eight-tenths of a unit when we're working with plus three and a half now that the market has largely been hammered into place over the course of the week. Looking at Adam's handicap, he notes that Arizona going from plus three at Tennessee to laying more than a field goal against the Vikings is simply too big of an adjustment. He doesn't see that big of a gap between Minnesota and Tennessee. And Adam notes Arizona played great, but they did so against a terrible Tennessee defense. He expects a better defensive performance from the Vikings this week under Mike Zimmer, even with some locker room issues brewing. And Drew brought up a similar point, expecting a step up in class for the Cardinals offense this week. On the other side of the ball, Andy mentioned he sees this as an overreaction to the Cardinals' defense from Week 1, which was led by five sacks from Chandler Jones, and he says the Titans' offense looked discombobulated under a new offensive coordinator. Meanwhile, the Vikings have some weapons to produce, and Drew calls out, while Arizona has playmakers on defense, their cornerbacks are vulnerable, and the Vikings have that dynamic duo at wide receiver in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to take advantage of that weakness. One thing Adam touched on that I do want to underscore, some internal turmoil for Minnesota, that's given me a lot of pause throughout the week, but at the end of the day, I just can't pass on catching more than a field goal with the Vikings in this matchup. One total to get to this week, and it's a team total, the Raiders under 20.5 at Pittsburgh. I was initially looking to make this a split ticket with about two-thirds of the amount on the Raiders team total and a bit on the Steelers minus five and a half, but that five and a half is gone with some steam on the Steelers recently, and I think part of the reason why, a couple of the experts that I'm showcasing on this podcast were on the Steelers against the spread, and those two in this case would be Steve Fezzik, he noted the Steelers being a bet for him on the Even Money podcast in the Dream Preview as well as Drew Dinsick once again on the Matchbook NFL betting show. Fezzik's handicap hinged largely around fading the Raiders off an emotional win on Monday Night Football, and this being a rough transition for them to a short week with an early start time. 
Drew got into a couple matchup components that favored the Steelers as well, namely the Raiders' offense runs through Darren Waller, and Pittsburgh is one of few teams that has the personnel to keep him in check, namely Minka Fitzpatrick being a key to guarding Waller. And Drew also notes the Raiders have recently lost yet another starter on their offensive line, so it could be a tall task for them against that stout Pittsburgh defensive front. He makes the fair price in this game, Steelers minus 7. But in terms of why I'm staying away from the spread and looking at the Raiders team total, I'm looking to isolate the edges here with that Steelers defense and avoid any reliance on their offense. I think if the Raiders miss that 55-yard field goal attempt at the end of regulation on Monday night, or if they don't go on to win the game in overtime, they'd be perceived quite differently right now. And I think the team total in this matchup is currently a bit inflated, in part because the scoreboard gives them 33 points from Monday's win, instead of 24, which very easily could have been their output. So overall, traveling across the country on a short week to take on that nasty Steelers defense, I think the points are much tougher to come by for the Raiders in Sunday's contest. Now this is where I'd usually share a teaser for the week, but I don't have one to offer this week, and that's a bummer because I'd love a good fit to pair with Cincinnati. I really like the Bengals as a possible teaser leg. That said, if I'm going to preach that our biggest edge is betters, as our ability to be selective and pick our spots, it would be out of line to force the issue with a teaser that doesn't show proper value, so we'll move on, and fortunately, there are some edges out there when it comes to putting the props in props and hops. And the first prop to go in pocket this week, no surprise to regular listeners, Dallas at the Chargers, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. In this game, we're looking at the highest total on the Week 2 board, with a total of 55 as I record this, and a lot of points, good for the prospects of a lot of touchdowns, and a lot of touchdowns, good for the odds of a 1-yard touchdown. I want to acknowledge having lost this prop in the Browns-Chiefs game last week, despite that one being a shootout, and my takeaway there was that the Chiefs are on the verge of going in the drawer when it comes to this shortest touchdown prop. That's because even though they have a high-scoring offense, they get a lot of their touchdowns on explosive scoring plays, so they're not always getting down near the goal line. And even when they do get close, it was eye-opening to see Andy Reid kick a field goal on 4th and 2 from the 10-yard line on the Chiefs' opening drive last week. That was a big red flag for this prop, knowing that 1st and goal was there for the taking, with a 1-yard touchdown possibly being on the table for the Chiefs in that drive. And it also indicated that bigger picture, Reed might still not be confident in his offense's ability to come through in short yardage or goal line situations. And anything can happen in a sample size of one game, but I do have less concern with those issues creeping into play with this Cowboys-Chargers matchup. Neither defense in this one is built to put up too much resistance, and the Cowboys were a cash cow with this prop last year before Dak went down, with both Prescott and Zeke capable of punching it in from the one. And even though the Cowboys will be on the road in this game and fans are back in the stands, I expect Dallas to have no problem communicating in the red zone on Sunday with a heavily pro-Cowboys crowd. And on the Chargers side of things, they're working with a vastly improved offensive line if Week 1 is any indication. That bodes well near the goal line. I make this prop good up to minus 150. And one more prop for Week 2, let's go to Monday Night Football at Lambeau Field, looking at Jared Goff to throw an interception, so either taking the yes or over half depending on how your book lists it, good up to minus 180. Adam and Fezzik noted they're in play on this prop, 
and I think Adam gave a good handicap, noting the Lions are a big underdog, so they'll probably be playing from behind. That could have Goff throwing a lot, and Adam's noted over the course of several years now that Goff struggles against pressure. Looking at the matchup, Goff's also likely going to be without his best wide receiver in Tyrell Williams, and I'll take a quick pause there just to note the sad state of affairs when considering Tyrell Williams being an NFL team's best receiver. It's kind of a we're not in Kansas anymore moment for Goff, going from all the talent around him both on the field and on the coaching staff with the Rams to the supporting cast he's got now with the Lions. Adam also notes the Packers have great defensive backs for good measure, and I can't disagree with the handicap or the price. Speaking of the price, Fezzik quoted minus 170 on the Even Money podcast. Adam mentioned minus 178 on Twitter. I am seeing better than that right now, and I hope it holds until more of the market has this prop posted. With that, let's get into a recap of the Week 2 portfolio. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. Three sides this week, San Francisco minus three at Philadelphia, New England minus six at the Jets, and Minnesota plus three and a half at Arizona. One team total, the Raiders under 20 and a half at Pittsburgh. No teasers this week, hopefully we can get back on the teaser side of things next week, but we do have two props for week two. Dallas at the Chargers, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards, and Jared Goff over half an interception at Green Bay. And a quick timeout to tell you about the Props and Hops NFL Challenge over at Dimers.com. It got off to an interesting start when I won my own contest in Week 1, going 5-1 picking games against the spread. So we're going to give the prize to last week's runner-up, who goes by the username HandOfGod on Dimers.com. So if that's you and you're listening to this, keep an eye out for your Props and Hops merch. And if the rest of you want to win some Props and Hops merch, here's your ticket to enter. It's free, quick, and easy. All you have to do is pick six games against the spread and answer a tiebreaker question, and you'll be in the running. You can even have Dimers make the picks for you to make it even faster and more effortless. And the three options to have Dimers pick for you are to go with the Dimers Bot's favorite picks of the week. You could also take the most popular picks among other players in the game, or if you're feeling frisky, you could use the randomizer at dimers.com. So to get in the game and compete for some Props and Hops merch, check out the link in the show notes to the Props and Hops NFL Challenge, and if you're on the fence about entering, I'd encourage you to bring it on. Let's see if you all can keep me from winning this thing once again this season. And now, let's take a moment to pivot from the props to the hops. And this week's show beer is Blind Pig, a West Coast IPA by Russian River Brewing Company in Santa Rosa, California. Blind Pig clocks in at 6.25% ABV, and in Russian River's words, it's loaded with hop character. I can't disagree with that claim. I was able to enjoy it this past weekend at a local bar while watching USC finally put a bow on the Clay Helton era. And it's been a godsend over these past couple years to see Russian River really expand its distribution footprint across the state of California, even including some of its world-class beers like Blind Pig. This one's hoppy but not too heavy, resinous but not too bitter, and well-balanced with some fruity and earthy notes. Blind Pig's about as classic as a West Coast IPA gets, and that leads us into a classic quote inspired by some classic rock for this week's Malinsky Minute. 
And this week's quote from David Molinsky feels appropriate as we figure out what to make of the NFL Week 1 results in terms of how that informs our Week 2 betting decisions. The quote, the waiting is the hardest part. Of course, that's a play on words inspired by the classic song from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and the waiting in this case, as Dave meant it, is waiting results from sporting events versus waiting for time to pass. And I think it ties in nicely here because we're hearing everywhere that it's overreaction week, and that's not necessarily wrong, but if we're too reluctant to overreact, we also risk underreacting, and with only one week in the books, it's tough to know just how high the ceiling could be for teams like Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Arizona, and New Orleans, or just how low the floor might be for teams like Atlanta, Buffalo, Tennessee, and Green Bay. So some level of reaction is warranted from what we saw in week one, but just how much is in the eye of the beholder, and that's what makes the waiting the hardest part. As a silver lining here, there's no clear right answer, and with a good process, all this uncertainty can breed lots of opportunity. Alright, on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thanks for listening. If you found any value in this episode, the number one way you can support Props and Hops is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd be interested in a breakdown on every game this weekend, check out the BetUS NFL show I'm hosting with Las Vegas Chris and Scott Kellen. We'll be running through the full weekend slate live on YouTube. We do that every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And we also do a weekend review slash coming week preview episode live on Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific. You can check out the show via the link in these show notes. And a couple housekeeping items. If you live in an area where wagering is legal and want to kill two birds with one stone, go ahead and sign up for some sports books via any and all of the links at the bottom of the Props and Hops landing page on dimers.com. That way, you can get down on some edges and support this show along the way. You can also find a link to the Props and Hops landing page on dimers.com down below in these show notes. And also, don't forget to enter the Props and Hops NFL Challenge at Dimers.com for your chance to win exclusive Props and Hops merch. It just takes a minute to pick any six teams against the spread on this weekend's slate, answer a quick tiebreaker question, and you're in the running. There's nothing to lose, so check out that link to play in the show notes. One more thing before we sign off, if you'd like some more insight on a couple NFL Week 2 bets, I was excited to join my new friend Ross McDowell on his podcast, the Early Value NFL Podcast, so I'd encourage checking out not only my episode, but all the episodes Ross has been pumping out. I've really been enjoying getting to know his smart approach when it comes to betting the NFL from across the pond. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy week two, and I'll talk to you next week. Until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. Dimers.com has teamed up with online sportsbook Twinspires as the official season launch content partner to kick off the NFL season. Established in 1996 for horse racing, Twinspires, formerly known as Bet America, is owned by the famous Churchill Downs. 
Its sportsbook, which launched in 2018, has since been brought under the Twinspire's name to provide American bettors with a complete sports betting, horse racing, and casino platform. Currently available in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee, with New Jersey also launching shortly, Twinspires is currently offering Dimers.com readers a $1,000 risk-free bet upon sign-up. To take advantage of the offer and support this podcast in the process, head to the official Props and Hops page over at Dimers.com. You can find that via the link in the show notes, and from there, just click on the Twinspires link and follow the prompts.